The Take What Serves, Leave the Rest podcast is sponsored by Prairie Care. You know, going through the process of getting help with your mental health can be very overwhelming. I definitely know that from firsthand experience. Prairie Care can help guide you through it and get you in touch with the help that you need. They've been offering mental health services to all ages in the Twin Cities of Minnesota since 2005. Whether you're looking for clinical services, a specialty outpatient program, or a more intensive level of care like inpatient treatment, Prairie Care has you and your family covered. Visit prairie-care.com to learn more. That's prairie-care.com. Hello there, my friends. Welcome, welcome, welcome into another episode of the Take What Serves, Leave the Rest podcast. My name is Brian, and so glad that you're here. So glad that you're here. And as always, holding space for each and every one of you to show up in this moment, however you are. All of it is welcome in this space, and and hope that you're being gentle with you over there. Uh, this week on the podcast, in this episode, looking forward to this one. We are talking about reassurance, and reassurance is one of those things that sometimes we we don't even really think about, um, and don't always kind of consider the ways that maybe it's showing up in our lives. Um, and we're gonna we're gonna dig into it a little bit here this week. We're gonna talk about how reassurance is absolutely a very very natural, normal thing to want as a human being, and also the ways that sometimes it can be used as a tool to try to avoid feeling what's coming up for us in the moment. And how that avoidance can sometimes actually fuel the cycle of anxiety. Um, We also dive into when reassurance can be very necessary, a very healing thing to lean into, and, and much more. And to have this conversation, we have Dr. Anastasia Ristow back on the podcast here this month. Always love my conversations with Dr. Ristow. Uh, she is a licensed psychologist and director of psychotherapeutics with Prairie Care. And yeah, I really hope that each and every one of you take a little something from this conversation that can serve you moving forward. As always, take what serves you and just go ahead and leave anything that does not. Uh, sending love to each and every one of you out there, one, one moment at a time. And here we go. Let's dive into this conversation with the wonderful Dr. Ristow. Welcome in, my friend. Thank you. We're here again. Here we are. You should have seen us just a couple minutes ago. We were. <laughs> I wear headphones when we record these. And, and unfortunately, I do not, as of this moment, have headphones for you. Yeah. So you were, you were getting the experience of wearing the headphones and <laughs> hearing your voice in your headphones. And 
It was really, it was a big moment. Yes, it was super powerful. We were yeah. passing the headphones back and forth. <laughs> try this. Now try this. Now try this. And then we're like, okay, I suppose we should actually record. Yeah. We should actually record this this yeah. interview. Our brains are just so interesting. It's Isn't just it? just so interesting. I yeah. know. So talking about reassurance today Ooh. and this, we kind of want to give somebody a shout out mm-hmm. right out of the gate. A yeah. friend of yours is the reason that we're actually sitting down talking about this. Indeed. A very dear friend of mine, Dr. Kim Epting, she's a psychologist and a professor in psychology, uh, messaged me recently with a link to an article about anxiety and reassurance. Mm-hmm. And um, she said, read this. I'm really curious on your take on it because I've been noticing some things you know, with my... Um, students and students in college in general, but but also I've been thinking a lot about why there might be a different level of reassurance seeking happening these days. And yeah. she said, what do you think about the possibility of smartphones and our capability to instantly seek and receive reassurance and mm-hmm. the impact that might be having on our ability to deal with sitting in hard emotional moments um and so i read the article and i was like whoa this is fantastic so she said i think you and brian should do a podcast on this and you know what dr kim epting you are right we are a podcast of the people yeah yes so i i my brain started feasting and i sent it to you and your brain started I love it. Feasting and here we are. I love this. Yeah. And so in the the article that, that you're referring to was written by um, Nick Wignall, I believe is how you say his last name. He is a psychologist and the founder of The Friendly Mind, which is a, a weekly newsletter. And so we're going to definitely be referring back to that article pretty regularly, likely throughout this conversation. But to, to start, I mean, it, some, I think everybody has heard the word, obviously, reassurance and probably has their kind of idea of what that is. Hard to, like, define what reassurance is, but, but when you hear the word reassurance, what do you normally think of? Well, hang on. Let me Google quick and see if Google. what I think is right. I need some reassurance that well, that yeah. I'm on the right track. That's just, right. just this kidding. Whole, <laughs> this whole conversation could just turn into like, hold on, let me reassure myself. Yeah, I need to before know. I say this. Or, or, or Ryan, what do you think? Do you think I, I'm yeah. I'm on the right path here and thinking about it? What do you think? I think you're okay. I think it's okay <laughs> for you to step forward in this conversation. <laughs> so, I, I mean, in um, you know, we were talking about this a little bit earlier too, but you know. When I think about reassurance as a psychologist, as a mental health professional, um, as well as as a human being, um, Mm -hmm. like so many other things, I just think in terms of a spectrum and a range. So to, to need reassurance is a really normal experience of human beings when we are having um, an experience that maybe is unclear, uncertain, maybe it's um, producing some emotions that are uncomfortable, or we're just not sure about something. It's really natural to have that urge to seek some reassurance Mm -hmm. in some way to kind of feel better, or put some of that um, unknown into more known territory. 
But like anything, our need for reassurance can wax and wane. And sometimes um, there's not enough there. And maybe we need to be seeking more reassurance to kind of make sure we're aware, self-aware and on the right track. And other times we can become consumed by this sense or this need to 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 seek and find that reassurance and so clinically we often will um be supporting folks very much through their journey of figuring out how to recognize that naming it claiming it in order to tame it you know so then figuring out how do i now dial this down so that i'm not being consumed by this constant seeking of reassurance in the various ways you can do that and i think what a beautiful point to start out with that you know having the need for reassurance is a very human thing yeah and it's not meant to shame people that if you're somebody who really really needs reassurance a lot it doesn't mean that there's something wrong with you it's a very foundational human thing yes i i dr ristow need reassurance quite regularly ask anybody who knows me including my boss or my husband or my children so totally Yep. It's normal. Good to like name that, I think, right out of the gate. Yeah. And I, it's, it's interesting when you, when you sent this, this article my way, um, I thought right away of kind of reassurance in the lens of, um, obsessive compulsive disorder, OCD, Mm -hmm. which is something that, um, I not only experience myself, but I, it's now as I'm stepping into this work as a therapist and starting to work with clients, I work with a lot of clients who live with with OCD and, and reassurance, um, shows up as a very, very common compulsion Mm -hmm. in, in the, the obsessive compulsive cycle. So that cycle being getting activated might maybe by an intrusive thought and then kind of engaging in a compulsion to try to get that anxiety to go away. And so, you know, it's, it's very common for instance, in OCD for somebody who experiences OCD to have, um, you know, maybe to kind of use one of the more, I don't know if stereotypical is the right word, but well-known forms of OCD with contamination, right? Mm-hmm. So people having the fear that I might have, my hands might be, cont- you know, after I touch that doorknob, my hands might be contaminated with HIV. And so then getting really activated and anxious around that and then asking loved ones over and over and over again, do I have HIV on my hands? Can you please reassure me that I don't? I need to achieve that certainty through reassurance that Mm. I don't have HIV on my hands. Yeah. And so we work a lot in the treatment of OCD of helping people lean away from seeking reassurance because it's actually much more on that end of the spectrum that you talked about of starting to consume their life Mm -hmm. where they're needing reassurance constantly in order to function. Yeah. And so it's a uh, so many different lenses of how we can approach this and but that's yeah. just just to kind of name my lens on it. That's what came to mind for me right away. Yeah. And 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 it's it can be so intense and really tricky to manage and figure out. Yeah. Um but the thing that's so interesting about about this kind of thing whether it's driven by something like OCD or generalized anxiety or mm-hmm. just stress or whatever it might be in the moment um it's sort of it's one of those natural go-tos that our brain tells us is going to help 
Yeah. And so in the moment we ask for the reassurance or we seek it. If there's not somebody there to ask, we may seek it through Googling. We may seek it through texting. We may seek it through researching um, in some other way. Um, or, or maybe it's, you know, finding people to ask or whatever. Yeah. Um, in the moment for a second, for a few minutes, maybe even for an hour, we might feel better, feel yep. relief from whatever was behind that. And usually again, that's anxiety or stress, but then it comes back and yep. it just builds. It's, it's like fuel on the fire and feeds the anxiety beast. So the more mm-hmm. we feed it with looking for seeking and receiving that reassurance, the more we need it. Yes. And it gets harder and harder to rein in and get under control. Because we're in, and this article really talks about this, that exactly what you said, right? It's, it's reassurance offers relief in the short term, but in the long run starts to create some problems and kind of a, a foundational feeling of, I don't trust myself to be able to sit with what I'm experiencing in the moment. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, there was a one particular line in this article that said reassurance seeking means outsourcing the emotional labor of uncertainty and the management of that onto other people, which is like, whoa. Yeah. I mean, that's, that is the line where I, I, I stopped. My mind was blown. Yeah. I hadn't thought about it in that way. Yeah. And I read and I reread and I reread and I went through this. I don't know about you, but I had this whole range of kind of reaction to that mm. um, as a person and then as a clinician. So like as a person, I was like, wow, that feels really unfair mm. of me to like, oh, I'm uncomfortable in this, whatever it is that I'm feeling. I'm going to just hand that to you. Thank you for holding that for me because now I feel yeah. better, yeah. Um, you know, and, and that, I guess that's, I mean, that's what he's capturing is we're outsourcing it, meaning now we're not managing it on our own. So that might feel good, probably doesn't feel great to that other person. Mm. But then again, so it doesn't allow us the opportunity to figure out how to be in that and to move through that. And it doesn't necessarily, though, mean, and this is the whole range, right? It doesn't necessarily mean that's a burden to the other person it might not feel awful to them. They might be in a better space or more equipped to handle or manage whatever it is that you're outsourcing to them. Mm -hmm. And that's where that delicate, like amazing little dance of humans comes in and the range. In some cases, that's exactly what's needed. That's exactly how it needs to work for you and for that person and for your relationship or whatever. And it's okay. It works. Um, But then the clinician in me goes, wow, so... By outsourcing that, by handing that off, it robs us the ability to know we can Mm -hmm. feel that feeling and have those thoughts and get through that and still be okay. And that we are capable of doing something while we get through that and like managing that. Yeah. Yeah. When you're kind of in a way, yeah, you're robbing yourself of that opportunity to yeah, prove to yourself that you can go into that intensity of whatever that is as much as that sucks mm-hmm. a lot of the times to go into it. Yeah. But there's, you know, there's real wisdom often in getting into our really, really uncomfortable stuff and and proving to our 
proving to our minds, but probably more importantly, literally proving to our nervous systems yes, that we are capable of going into it and riding the wave and coming out on the other side. Yeah. You know, it's, it's almost like that reassurance maybe sometimes is a, oh gosh, this feels scary. I don't want to go into this. I'm going to kind of hit the bail button here and mm-hmm. hand it off on somebody else. Yeah. It's probably a little bit oversimplified, but yeah, you know, yeah. it's, um, it's scary to go into that stuff, but there's a lot of, lot of powerful lessons that we can take from it if yeah. we have the courage to go in. Yeah. Yeah. And what occurs to me too, is I think many times there's, um, an unconscious, like we're not even necessarily aware totally. that we're handing it off or that we're, um, needing somebody else to manage it for us or, or whatever it might mm-hmm. be. Um, and then other times, I mean, I almost think if you're in that space where you're not necessarily aware that you're doing it, it's going to be harder to figure this out, which is of course why we start with becoming aware, you yeah. know? Um, but in, in order to shift away from seeking that reassurance so much, it almost seems like you'd have to go enough through the process to say to yourself, okay, I'm going to give myself the gift of pushing myself to wait just a little bit before Mm -hmm. I seek that reassurance and slowly build like the lengthen the time that my body and my mind are able to be in, in this discomfort. Um, you know, that intention almost has to be there. I wonder in order to make change happen. Well, and I think it's like a, it's like building a muscle, Mm -hmm. you know, I think there's a lot of comparisons with this to even, you know, and I'm sure many of people listening have heard this, you know, you don't walk into a gym and say, I'm going to start lifting a hundred pounds right out of the gate. Yeah. What? You don't, you, you know, I mean, unless <laughs> no. you're incredibly talented, <laughs> I'm sure there are probably some, <laughs> probably people, some people out there who could, but that. not you or yeah. I. So, so if you, know. you can do that, just ignore, pretend like I'm <laughs> didn't just say that or think of something else or hop on the treadmill and run five miles. Right. Right away. The so first time you're running. So it's, you know, physical health there's that understanding of you have to build up to it and you have to kind of train your body to be able to do those things. I think it's very much the same when you're talking about things just like this is that ability to sit with discomfort and not go right to the reassurance is literally a muscle that, yeah, maybe that starts with number one, just naming it, right? That might be the first step of, yeah. Okay. I'm noticing I'm feeling really anxious and wow, interesting. I'm really wanting to kind of grab for reassurance right now to get myself out of this. Mm -hmm. That could be the, that could be the first workout of the program. Yeah. Yeah. It's just bringing that awareness to it. Yeah. And I just wonder, the awareness piece is so important. And, And I think about my friend Kim's point of what what role, like what if all of us having these little mini computers at the palm of our hand from now when we're age eight or younger, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, kids are getting phones and I'm not judging that. I'm just saying, you know, and, and in many school systems, you can have your phone and there are kids, you know, in, in middle school or high school even who are able to text their parents in the moment and get that instant reassurance. Um, how much is that feeding into 
the opposite end of what you were just talking about in order to build the muscle, we ease into it. But also mm-hmm. what if we are as a society becoming less and less equipped to feel these feelings mm-hmm. and that's harder to then recognize when we're moving into the space of needing a lot of reassurance because our normal is instant yes. reassurance. I yes. can post a snap or an Insta or a whatever. And, and within 30 seconds, if people aren't liking it or commenting on it, am I going to start feeling yes. anxious about that or begin judging myself or whatever? Very likely. Yes. Mm-hmm. But when I start seeing those reactions, those instant reactions give me something of a different flavor, but oh my gosh, yeah. our entire world really, it's not just, America, but, um, boy, what are we, oof. And I mean, my brain right, right away went to like those of those people listening, um, who experience health anxiety. Yes. Yep. Start feeling a symptom in your body and where do most people go? They hop right on the (laughs) internet and start Googling about all those symptoms to try to get reassurance. Yep. And then what happens? And oftentimes it just snowballs Uh and makes it 10 times worse. Yeah. Yeah. It might feel good in the, in the short term. You might get a little nugget of information that goes, okay, maybe that makes me feel a little bit better. Yeah. But then usually, right, it's like playing a game of whack-a-mole. It just, yeah. it just shows up in another form and then we're kind of sucked into the cycle. Yeah. It's like, oh, good. It doesn't look like I'm having a heart attack, but it could be, could be this. that I have um, this or that or this or that. And I probably should get to the ER right away. You know, yeah. which I, I mean, if you're having certain symptoms, get to the ER. But yes, I mean, it, oh my goodness, yep. it's a vicious cycle for sure. So I think, and, and so what I'm hearing in, in a lot of this, and you've already brought it up and we've talked about it is like, yeah, it's a, it's funneling back to how willing are we and how capable are we of just sitting with our emotions Mm-hmm. And sitting or sitting with our thoughts or sitting, just being present in our bodies without needing to do something about it. It's like yeah. so foundational to, I almost feel like most topics that we talk about on this podcast, it, it all seems, seems like to it. come back to that. Yeah. 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 And, and recognizing the value, placing value on being willing mm-hmm. to sit in the space of whatever those feelings are yeah. Um, rather than offloading them yeah. or diverting them or avo- avoiding them or whatever. So I know a lot of people are asking, well, how the heck do I do that? <laughs> how do I do it? How do I sit with all that stuff? Um, mm-hmm wish there was a magical answer for that. Unless you have it. Do you have the magical answer? I don't. Okay, you haven't figured that out yet. I know. Okay. I wish. Yeah. Um, something that is mentioned in this in this article that I, I thought was really cool is he talks about, um, and again, this is Nick Wignall with the, the Friendly Mind, talks about the, the, the three M's. So, mm-hmm. so in a moment where you feel like you're noticing yourself needing reassurance or you're kind of feeling like, oh boy, really, really need that reassurance to get myself out of this uncomfortable state that I find myself in. The first M being moving your body physically. 
So mm-hmm. actually physically doing something to get your body moving. Yeah. Second M being making something. So like maybe I, I guess getting creative, getting creative, yeah, doing something. And then the, the third M being connecting with someone meaningfully um, in a non-reassurance seeking way, I would imagine with that one. Yeah. But I, I thought those were good, right? It, it's kind of a, it's a, an acknowledgement of, okay, okay, I'm feeling uncomfortable, but can I move my body? Can I make something or can I connect with somebody meaningfully in this moment? Yeah. And, and then keeping in mind, it doesn't have to be zero to a hundred. So, you know, cause I think we're really good in our society of all or nothing thinking. So, yeah. okay. So these are the three things that I should do. And if I can't do Isn't that, that well, so then I'm a failure. Yep. Um, okay. So then I guess I'm just going to keep seeking all the reassurance, but mm-hmm. you know, what we know in our clinical work is if we, if you think about it like a dial, if, if my goal is, okay, I recognize that I'm seeking a lot of reassurance and I want to dial that down a little bit so that I can get my body a little more used to feeling feelings and being present and knowing that I, that that's okay and I can get through Mm it. Maybe my urge is to text, um, my friend because, I'm thinking over and over and over again about a conversation we had and I feel like I might have insulted her. So I like want to just text her and be like, are we okay? Everything all right? Sorry about whatever, whatever. Maybe I tell myself, okay, I'm going to just wait one minute. Mm -hmm. And during that minute, I'm going to walk up and down the steps three times. Yeah. Or I'm going to just jog in place if I'm like by myself. Because I mean, if I'm in a group of people, that might look a little weird (laughs) Um, or whatever. But like small increment and what happens in that one minute, very often the one minute becomes two minutes, becomes five minutes. Because now you've shifted, you know, part of it is distraction. But part of it really is about just physiologically helping your, your, your brain and your body move in a different direction and that allows you to be in that emotion and Mm -hmm. tolerate it. Um, And then if you still feel like, okay, now I still really want to text her and get that reassurance, but the way I text her might actually be different now. Um, So it might even just be a, it was great talking to you today. I'm glad we could take that time. Yeah. And she might respond. Yeah, you too. See you next week or whatever. Yep. So it's a different kind of reassurance that I just received and sought. Yeah, kind of shifted a little bit. But yeah, it's moving in a direction that that makes me feel a little bit less captive to it, if that makes sense. Totally makes sense. Yeah. Kind of reminds me even of just, you know, if you you get a text message from somebody that activates anger or frustration and that immediate urge to just text back something really snarky and short and passive aggressive. Yes. We've all been there. Myself Uh included. Yes. And yet how much different that usually can take form if, if we allow ourselves to even just wait five minutes. Mm -hmm. Anger probably still going to be there, but it might just be in a little bit of a different form where we Mm -hmm. can kind of tap into our wise mind a little bit more and respond in a way that we're going to feel better about probably in the long run. Yeah. Yeah. Cause our, yeah, our brain we don't function at our best when we're heightened, when we're mm-hmm. any kind of strong emotion, whether it's good, you know, positive or not, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, if it's a negative one or whatever, but, um, and, and then more often than not, do you find when you have that experience and you actually are successful in waiting five minutes and then you respond a little bit differently, how often does it happen where it turns out that you actually weren't 
accurate in how you interpreted mm-hmm. that initial text. Yes. Like there's more yes. to the story. And yep. had you responded the salty way you initially wanted to, you probably would have made more of a sticky situation out of yeah. what wasn't that big of a deal. Sometimes it's almost like I'll read the text inaccurately that first time. Yeah. And then you kind of look back on it and you're like, oh, still kind of activates me. But man, I, I probably kind of read into that a little bit. Yeah. Yep. It's Yeah. Or even if people aren't responding to us in the time frame that we want. I mean, texting is so interesting. Emailing a little, but mm-hmm. it seems to be more triggering, I think, for a lot of us with texting. So if you text somebody and they don't respond mm-hmm. for an hour or two or a few days, it's like I know. bananas how much that can impact you. Texting is so exhausting. <laughs> it's so I find interesting. it to be so exhausting. I just... Me too, but I love it. It's so wild. How can I have that kind of relationship with yeah. something like texting? Yeah. yeah. It's both sides of it for it's you. It's consuming and it can be exhausting and I absolutely thrive within it at the same time. Yeah. The both and. Probably not as much as I think. The but both and. The both and. The both and. I, as we, as we kind of start to, to wind down here, I, I think one thing that I'm wondering is how can we're almost like making reassurance out to be this really bad thing, which again, in the context of when it starts to overtake things, it can become really unhealthy. Sure. And are there moments where you think reassurance is actually a really healthy thing Yeah. to lean into? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, again, thinking in terms of like just the range, the spectrum, I mean, for some of us, um, if we're, much more internal with a lot of our thoughts and our feelings and all of that. You know, I think you and I were talking about this earlier. Sometimes stepping out of that and seeking reassurance actually is a step in the direction of Mm -hmm. connecting with people on a different level. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, and even that feels a little bit pathologizing. Like it doesn't mean that if you're more internal, that that's bad. Right. Um, but you know, sometimes seeking that reassurance, especially if it involves another person, can very much be a point of connection and brings us into that me too or that we kind of space, yeah. that shared part of the relationship. Um, so I, I definitely, I don't know, I'm sure there's other ways that we would think of it as a healthy, positive thing. I don't know, are there yeah. pieces that come to mind for you? Yeah, I definitely resonate with what you just said for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, I think being when we're, when we're in that kind of space of almost that like hyper individualism, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, and like I, I can just do this all yes. myself. I don't need anybody else. And I'm just going to like internalize and just forge ahead. Yeah. Again, keeps us in check a little bit. You know then, what I mean? Right? I think, yeah, the growth for that individual might be to learn how to say, man, I'm really scared about this and I just need somebody to like, let me know I'm going to be okay. Yeah. You know, that might be a real healthy opportunity to, to lean into reassurance. Yeah. I also think reassurance is really, really necessary in things like, um, grief. Mm. Yep. And, um, you know, some of those, those really tender moments in life where we're really, really, really struggling. Yes. And I think sometimes reassurance is, is really necessary in those moments just to like, be reassured by another human being that this is going to get better. Yeah. You know, and like, it's not going to always be this way. And and so I, I've, I think it's interesting because I've, 
as somebody who lives a lot kind of in the OCD territory and really trying to work on keeping reassurance in check, I've also gone through some experiences with grief where it's a, it's almost like I've experienced in that space how sometimes reassurance is the medicine that we need. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. so, and so, re- again, it's like reassurance can both be the thing that keeps this really unhealthy pattern alive, but it can also be the thing that like really soothes our heart. Yeah. In times of real despair. So I guess that comes to mind for me. It really can uh, serve an important purpose for us in some ways, in some situations. And yeah, so sometimes it, it serves us and other times it works against us and doesn't serve us. Yeah. And I mean, there's that example. And I also think about just um, when you were talking about kind of moving in, in individualism, like maybe it's maybe reassurance in this sense is the same as feedback, but I think it's really also healthy for us to intentionally keep ourselves in check at times, you know, to Mm -hmm. just check in is my perspective on point here or the same as yours or are there other perspectives I can be considering here that would be helpful for me to be considering. So seeking feedback Mm-hmm. in that learning kind of way also feels like it's an important thing to recognize. Yeah. 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 Good stuff. Yeah. Good stuff. I am um, trying to look at my notes here and see if there's anything else. I just think it, um, it's incredible. It, it just continues to blow my mind over and over again, how just, foundationally to the human experience and maneuvering so many things that we're talking about is just that, that day in day out process of just being gentle with ourselves and allowing ourselves to learn, learn how to feel our emotions and learn how to sit with that. Cause it's not something that we're taught most right. of the time. It's things that where a lot of us are learning on the fly. Yeah. And so, um, just have such empathy for everybody listening out there who, is doing their best with this one day at a time. It's a, it's an up and down road. Some days it's easier than others. Yeah. And just, um, I agree with you and really kind of coming back to what we've talked about so often on this podcast too, is just the, even when the, the feelings that we're having and the thoughts that we're experiencing are at their most uncomfortable, even those are important and valuable and a part of being human. Um, so, you know, it, it, it helps us to be thinking about these things, but not to overthink them. It helps us to name it when we see it, when we feel it, when we experience it, um, and to like be intentional about, okay, I'm going to tune into this a little bit more. I'm going to, you know, see what I can do to, to, delay a little bit that response and that urge and see Mm -hmm. if I can just feel what I'm feeling. But no matter which way it goes, like all of these different ranges of feelings that we have, um, are valuable Mm -hmm. in their own way, even when it is hard. So true. So reassurance can be helpful. Reassurance can be hurtful. Yep. And it's all okay. It's all okay. It's all right. Do you think this episode went okay? Oh, 
I don't know. Let me text a few people maybe in in a week after you release they can it offer and you see reassurance, what they think. And, and then you can give me the reassurance and then we'll all be good. Well, I tell you what, you want a test of how well you can tolerate seeking or not seeking yeah. reassurance. Do something like a podcast or yeah. be a TV broadcaster or... Isn't that so true? Anything like... It's, it's part of the vulnerability of it, right? It's yeah. like you're putting yourself out there a little bit and then, oh my goodness, is it natural to want to seek some reassurance? Yeah. You and I have and, talked and, about and that a bit too. Absolute, totally. Yeah. And I and I would argue that that's, I mean, that, that could probably become excessive to it at times for people. But oh, it's, for sure. But there might be a really good moment where reassurance could be really helpful, right? When, you, yeah. when you're really putting yourself out there and you're leaning into something that you're really passionate about and... Um, that feels really vulnerable and feels like you're really kind of going out on a ledge to put something into the world. Yeah. It's nice to have some reassurance from your loved ones around like what you're doing matters. Yeah. You're doing a great job. Yeah. And I'm proud of you. You know, like hearing that kind of reassurance, I think is really healthy. Totally. Hey, Brian. Hey. What you're doing <laughs> matters. Matters. I'm serious though. What you're doing matters and it's valuable and it's that. putting beauty out into the world that like is so important so thank you for doing what you're doing thank you and thank you for being on this podcast yeah every month with me i just i love i love these chats together same thank you for having me yes it's the best time and thank you to your your dear friend what was your dear friend's name again that gave us this this article yes dr kim epting dr kim epting big shout out to dr epting for for passing this along and her brilliant brain Yes. yes So all of you listening, send us send us things that you want to hear about. Yeah. We might talk about it. Yeah. Do it. Cool. Sweet. Be gentle with you. Thank and, you. And um, we'll talk soon. You too. Hey, thanks everyone. Bye. Also, just a reminder that this podcast is not meant to replace work with a therapist. And so if you feel you need it, encourage you to reach out to a trained mental health professional. All right, we'll talk soon.